Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope you're well. Just eight weeks of fantasy footy left to go in your year, but don't you worry. There is plenty of stuff to get through between now and the end of your 2021 fantasy footy season. Joining me on this episode, before we jump into anything else, I've got Kane on board. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, MJ. Thanks for having me on. It's been a little while, but it's always an interesting time of year, this one, as we have two months to go. It always seems to go really quickly. It does. You've had a couple of week injury, but you're back uh, just in time to get us ready for finals. And Jordox on, mate. Hello, buddy. How are you? Hello, MJ. Hey, Kate. Hey, Jordo. All right, boys. There, there is a lot of stuff we want to get to at the end of this episode. I want to talk keeper leagues for those that are playing in that format of the game. Yep, we don't just talk about salary caps or single seasonal drafts. We talk about everything from a fantasy footy perspective. We want to talk about managing kids and some underperforming premiums. Got to talk about Brody Grundy. Matt Kennedy's name keeps popping up. Yep, I want to talk about him. Um, prioritization of who we move on, what, where, and when. And in a moment, we want to talk about what we thought might have been the most obvious midfield upgrade and whether or not this week, or if at all, is a player we can move on. Eight weeks left to go in your fantasy footy season. Every single AFL club is in Victoria for at least the next week or so. It looks like we're going to get a couple of rounds of footy in Melbourne while the rest of the nation try to navigate their way through what is another unique seasonal experience. For you as fantasy coaches, it is still as best we know until anything changes, 22 players on field. Whatever trades you've got left, the formats are not indicating anything more is coming unless further implications happen to our fantasy footy season, which means you've got four weeks left to go till finals in most leagues and four weeks left to go to kind of, you really want to get your side sorted before the final month of fantasy footy. Uh, If you're a Patreon of the Coaches Panel, thank you for your support. And if you're not, you can find all the links for that at coachespanel.tv. All right, lads, I'm... Alluded to him about 60 seconds earlier. I want to talk about Lockie Neal. This time last week, we had a conversation with Ben, Jordox, and myself, and we were talking about Lockie Neal as we think he's going to be a great pick. Through the year, the tag was the concern. He ended up scoring okay across the formats, not just navigating some defensive pressure, but what I thought was midway through the first quarter a season-ending shoulder injury. If you check the injury reports now from the Brisbane Lions, he's not even mentioned. So the fact that he went on and gave us basically a ton last week or a little bit more in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and has got through what was the most difficult matchup, Kane, I suppose I'll start with you and get your take. If you're not a Lockie Neal owner, can you jump on with confidence this week? In short, I'm going to say yes, MJ. I think there's a few things um, back to what you guys spoke about last week and I think a lot of people had feelings about was the O'Connor tag. And it did come. And it was very successful. It kept him to 25 points in the first half. He did have that shoulder knock, which he copped in that Jeremy Cameron tackle. Um, we, hope, we know now that there was no dislocation. I think a lot of people in, on the night thought there was. None of that has been proven to be true. 
it was just a big knock. He went off, came back on really quickly, played 89% time on ground. And the good thing for Lockie was the Lions blew the game apart. Geelong released O'Connor in the second half and he scored 81 points in Dream Team. And that's what we know Lockie Neal can do. And that's where the appeal is, isn't it? We know that this guy does get tagged. It's really only Zorko who could get the attention. But if you look at Zorko's game, what's so impressive about him is there's 12 tackles, there's 10 marks, he's a high kick player, and he only had needed 24 touches to get a 140. Not many players can do that. So he scores in different ways. Um, he doesn't hurt you as much as a Lockie Neal in that sense. And he's obviously he's so buzzy around the ground that he gets a little bit more space. So Lockie Neal is still going to get attention. Now, I can't really see too many teams that have a tagger in the run home. That's why it's so appealing. Brisbane, from a side point of view, still trying to push for a top four spot, ideally top two. Now, we know that you know maybe top two won't be a home final, but you've still got to push for it with that hope. And at the end of the day, he's got a massive ceiling. He's got a ceiling that can take it away from you. I wouldn't feel confident giving him a captaincy in the next few weeks. But you would feel pretty good throwing a VC on him in a few games, just knowing what that ceiling is. So for me, if you can swing it, if it's the most valuable way that you can improve your team, I wouldn't be just going out of my way to sideways a premium or really restructuring to get him in. But if you need an upgrade, you've really got to look at him extremely strongly. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. If you want to look at what his next four to six weeks are and and some of those really lack of tag or defensive midfield options that are coming this week. It's uh, against the Adelaide Crows. We've seen a lot of inside midfielders historically this year really take them to task, even more so now without their captain, Rory Sloan. Uh, St Kilda, we've seen midfielders get underneath them. Richmond, they're just still decimated with some injuries at the moment through that layered part of the ground. Hawthorne have shown at times a propensity to use a shields or a warple in a defensive mode. Um, but then let's keep moving into the next three weeks. Gold Coast, Fremantle and Collingwood. I know Sarong's played a negating role, but if anything, he feels like a much better matchup for Zorko, as you've alluded to there, Kane, rather than a, a Lockie Neal. Uh, what's your take, Jordox? Are you in a similar vein of thought to Kane? Yeah, I am. I think um, I think if you were looking at Neal and you were going to wait a week just to bypass that O'Connor tag, the issue with the shoulder would be a concern, but I don't think it's enough to stop you jumping on. There's a couple of things that really, um, really stood out last week is he still laid six tackles. Mm. Um, now, I'm, I'm not sure how many he laid before the injury, but to, to come away from the game with six tackles um, after hurting his shoulder like that, I mean, it says a lot about the character of the guy. I mean, this is a second game this year where he's copped a pretty... Um, well, what looked like a significant injury early in the game and still finished the game um, in, in in a pretty good way. So I saw today that um, Chris Fagan had said he's going to be right to go and it may have just been a pinched nerve. So whether we, you know, coaches say these things, whether we want to believe that or not, I guess time will be the uh, revealer of that. But looking at that run home, looking at what he did with a sore shoulder, yeah. Um, no, I, th- I think I'd be I'd still be on board. The the one against Adelaide is interesting this week. I I think in all probability there won't be a hard tag and he'll be able to go about his his business because of the way. The the only thing I'd say though is 
Adelaide let Sam Walsh really do what he wanted and, and in the end was a difference in that game, um, I believe. Um, not sure who the Crows send to him. I mean, Ben Keyes was doing tagging roles previously and actually from memory did a very good job on him last year mm-hmm. um, in the first half of that game. And I think the second half he, he went nuts, but that was pretty much what Neil did every week last year. And the Crows are now relying on Keyes um, to get the ball himself and not, not play that tagging role. But uh, yeah, in summation, I think Lockie Neal is a go. Yeah, I, I was a little hesitant at the start of the week of the week and at the end of the weekend, wanting to hear more from the club, even at his price. But but hearing the news I've heard out today, we can only ever make informed decisions with the information we have. And the information we have for me is at that price point, he's no riskier than anybody else in and around that. There's just um, great upside from there so yeah yeah for me i've kind of moved on what my opinion was probably in the past 72 hours which was hesitant to not there's nothing structural there's nothing dislocated i'm comfortable to make that trade if you can do that and i think as well you nailed it when you said at that price point i mean if he was if he was right at that top echelon in the 800s, yeah, sure. you, you wouldn't take that gamble. But at, at seven, I think he's about 7.30 in fantasy and, and just over 700 in dream team. Um, you know, similar players around that area, you know, a Taylor Adams is, is appealing, but I'd be much more concerned about his body than Bucky Neal's. I mean, that, that's the other thing about Neal is even if he carries this injury, um, you know, he can still turn up with it. Yeah, 575 in Supercoach. I, I think we're all in agreement. If you're in the ability to trade up to a premium midfielder, Neil should no longer be someone that you pivot away from off the basis of a shoulder injury that he seemed to have overcome. The other guy people were really keen to talk about last week, and he did come out and deliver well last week, Brody Grundy came out and, and showed everybody Yep, I, I still can football quite nicely, and I'm definitely going to be a premium midfielder. Two th- ways of getting to Grundy, and I'm going to get Kane. I want you to get, talk to me from about the O'Brien perspective, which we'll get to in a second. Jordox, I want to get your takes on if you didn't go to an O'Brien type or a Darcy. Let, let, let's put both of them in, into Kane's realm. Is the if you reallocated that cash elsewhere? get your perspective on how we get to him anyway. So Kane, firstly to you, if you traded Grundy to an O'Brien or a Darcy, what is the level of priority, if at all, of moving up to a Grundy with the exception of AFL fantasy for Darcy, where he is a forward eligible as well and can sneak it forward. So we'll kind of put that caveat there. What's your take on the urgency, if at all, to get Brody Grundy in? Well, in a limited trades format, it seems like a real, luxury MJ you know I've probably got them pegged at maybe 20 25 points difference between you know your Riley O'Brien's and your Sean Darcy's compared to your Brody Grundy so mm. 25 points times eight weeks you know we're up at 200 points for the trade now we know that it's unlikely for most teams going to be a one trade deal yes you're going to need to bring some cash in elsewhere so let's say it's going to be two trades for 200 points assuming that you know, one's probably a rookie to a rookie mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Um, you know, is that is that how you think you're going to maximize your team? Now, personally, I've pegged it at 2025. Some might think it's greater than that, less than that. Sure. You got to look at your team and see 
can I get 20 points a week or 25 points a week in other positions? Is it a Nick Hine that some people have been flat about? I, I don't think it's quite as doom and gloom as some others, but sure. maybe he's your guy. Maybe it's Tom Phillips. Now, the issue with a lot of these guys, especially a Tom Phillips, is you'd love to sell this guy when he's priced at an 80. Mm. The problem is he's played so poorly recently that his price is in that low 70s type of range. So it's not as easy to make that jump financially to get a really good guy. So I don't think it's as simple as O'Brien or Darcy to Grundy. It's, is there someone else you want to take to a danger field who's cheap? Is there someone you want to take to a Lockie Neal that we just spoke about? Yeah, You've really got to look across the board and see what is the gap you believe between those two players and how do you facilitate that? Because you might be able to get 15 points upgrade with one move. You might think, yeah. I'm going to take Phillips to Jordan Goey in one move, and that's my 20 points upgrade a week. And you mm-hmm. could make an argument that it could be more than that. If you think is going to come home at a 90-95 and Phillips just goes about at his mid-60s that he's been doing, well, that's 30 points a week for really not much outlay of cash. So I think that's the broader discussion. Simply for me, it's not that urgent because yeah. it has to be a collective of the points now, this is why we always say, MJ, you start with the big dogs. Now, yes. I know Grundy's circumstance is very different because a lot of people were forced to trade him out due to the nature of the bias. But this is why it gets hard. When you get to this point of the season, it's not really about reaching those big dogs in a lot of the, a lot of the time. It's about going, what can I do with the dollars I've got and the trades I've got mm. to maximize the points? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. So then, Jordox, for, for you, it, maybe you're not in that position where you went to a hybrid premium, for sake of a better phrase, in an O'Brien or a Darcy. Maybe you moved him on to an Oliver, to a Zorko, to a Mills. You, you redistributed the wealth to one or two other players, and now you find yourself with a combination of, of a Flynn or an Amity, a Tracy, these sort of guys, or even some that, have even I know over the past week copped a donut because Ned Reeves has continued to not be in there for us. Callum Coleman Jones. These are some guys that have been stopgap R2s for us. If you're in that unique position, how hard do you go for a Grundy? And or, as the second component of that question, do you settle for the Darcy and O'Briens if you can't get up that far based on the amount of trades it takes? Yeah, I think uh, I think if you've done this, um, I really hope you had a plan <laughs> because if you're if you've got yeah one of those guys at R two right now, um, yeah, you'd probably be hoping that Grundy took a while to get back into form on his return, but unfortunately he uh, he has screamed out that he is must have. I guess it probably differs a little between the uh, you know fantasy where you get your guaranteed two trades a week and and then the other two. Where sure we're probably we're running low on trades so in soup coach and dream team where we're all most likely starting to run out of trades and um it may be a case where you now you have to just have to settle and look at who's the next best after grundy if it yep. is um if it is a uh o'brien or 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 darcy or you know you might even have to get a bit more creative than that and you know have a look at a you know, just off the top of my head, a Tim English, you know, if Steph Martin doesn't get up and they want to save him for finals and English ruck solo. But yeah. in fantasy, it's different. I think you can get there. 
you're just not going to be able to do it, obviously, this week, unless you had a plan. There's two ways. Yeah. So you, yeah, you you can cull someone. So I think last week I spoke about Andrew Gaff as a target. I mean, you might have an Andrew Gaff and just be completely um, sick of waiting for him to turn it around and mm. you know sacrifice him um, or, or someone similar. But the other way to get to Grundy, if you're playing fantasy, is every week with the upgrades that you're doing, um, budget upgrades. Mm. You, you cannot spend up. So you might have liked a Jared Lyons. Forget about it. You have to get Lockie Neal. Um, you know, in the forward line, you might have had your eyes on Dangerfield. Forget about it. You have to go a, a Jordan to Goey and just hope that he can do well. You've got to save every penny for a week or two before you can even consider well, because how are you going to do it? How are you going to turn a, a Tracy into a Grundy? It's, um, you're either culling and underperforming Primo now or every week you just put that money away. Um, either way, I, d- I, don't, I don't envy you. But I'm sure if you did that, you had a plan. Yeah, I think that's ultimately the lesson. If you find yourself in that position without Grundy and you make a move, and for a lot of coaches that were moving him on, it was a yeah, I'm, my plan is to get him back and here's how, or it's my plan is to go against him and here's how I'm going to make up that points differential with the O'Brien or the Darcy. I think for those that just are curious on the fixture, um, again, the, the location of these games could change depending on who they are, but he comes up against uh, a potentially difficult ruck duo this week of Ryder and Marshall. Then the next fortnight looks pretty good up against Richmond and just likely a Marby Old Child. Still no confirmation yet of exactly if Nankervis will be back by then. I don't believe he will be. Then it's Tom DeConing, who, who again, can jump all day. But Grundy is a beast in and around the ground. Uh, probably a likely double team, I would suspect, might come his way between a Laddams and a Lysett. Uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if Port Adelaide did that. Um, and then it's up against Nick Natanui. Then the final three weeks are Hawthorne, Brisbane, and Essendon. So certainly not the most damaging three-week of Ruck opponents through there. So it all codes That's into the tasty, factors. Tasty grand final week for those in leagues. Yeah, it, it's not coming up against Chris Burgess, but it is just about, um, it, with no disrespect to Sam Draper, it, it is definitely quite a nice matchup for Collingwood through there. And just just um, before we move on from Grundy, just mm. on the scenario that Kane was tackling before, if you did have an O'Brien or a, um, or a Darcy, can you just mm. run with them? Um, and I think you said it well, Kane, but I just wanted to add that I think a week ago I was thinking you probably could ride O'Brien to the end because, um, you know, his scoring hasn't been too bad. But I really set last weekend against Carlton as a real um, a real marker for O'Brien. And I, I, he scored 93 in Dream Team Fantasy, but I just was expecting a lot more. And that, to me, said, because uh, you've got Grundy in the other game up against a formidable opponent in, in young Darcy, and he absolutely went huge. So um, what I'm trying to say is I think Grundy is still a priority, even if you have um, O'Brien or Darcy, but obviously fix your other problems first. It, it's all about how you get there, isn't it? That's ultimately the thing is you can say moving O'Brien to Grundy is a priority this week. Cool, but... If you're hemorrhaging points in other parts of the ga- the ground and it's going to cost you two trades, you're going to slash 
um, your cash generation in one line. You're going to remove any depth that you've got and you're going to leave yourself fragile and with only two or three trades left for the year, then maybe it's not. But if you are in that position where you go, no, I've got eight or nine trades to go. I've still got some fattened guys like a Flynn and a Robertson. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it's not as challenging to kind of get there. So it's all about how are you getting there? What have you, How many trades is it going to cost you to get there? And what's the thing that ultimately will give the most points on ground this week and the future weeks? Because that's where we're at now. If you're, in a, if you're in contention in salary caps, really these next four weeks is about, in, in my perspective, is about seeing exactly what your opposition are doing, seeing where they're at. And that can mean you're going aggressive. That could mean you're balancing out moves. It can be a bunch of different strategies depending on how risk averse you are. But over this next month, especially in limited trades, one or two more premiums fall over on us and some coaches are going to be out of trades. So, so there's, there's a merit in, in either of those approaches. But really this next couple of weeks is how many just subtle moves of the chessboard can you make to position yourself there? What you don't want to do is be all out and stuck with eight weeks to go and you've got no other play. So, so that's that really important component that, that's sitting through there. While for AFL Fantasy, man, if you're not in the top couple of hundred, you're not making the top 100 in that format. It is so hard to make up points. Why? Because everyone's got two trades a week and they can do those cycle moves here in, there out. They can make those creative moves that if you set it in Supercoach or Dream Team, people would look at you and go, are you seriously thinking about trading him out? But in AFL Fantasy, it doesn't feel so crazy. Doing a Doherty down to a Haynes last week, even in some formats, you would have gone, are you seriously crazy? What are you doing that for? A Doherty down to Hearn. Whereas in AFL Fantasy, you go, that's going to make me 150K and I'm going to get similar scoring. Yes, please. So those are the, maybe it's a Clayton Oliver type who will, I think, get a Matt DeBoer tag this week. And keen on your take on this, Kane. He's not been great the past three weeks in terms of a fantasy scoring. He was good on the weekend from a footy perspective, but a fantasy scoring perspective. And again, it's a we great- We don't care about that on here though. Yeah, yeah no, 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 exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a great reminder for those that, bought high in a month ago, don't buy high. Um, what do you do with a Clary Oliver? I don't think it's a, a big drastic problem, but but a tag can be a pain. It, what's your take across the formats with Clary? Well, I think it's hard, MJ, because the play would be a lot more appealing if he was the $850,000 Clayton Oliver that we people might have bought him for, you know, at the start of the season. But when he's already at 775, um, that value that he's worth, you start thinking, okay, even if he gets tagged, and again, DeBoer did a real number on him in that Melbourne, in that game in round three. He was yeah. just lucky that DeBoer got injured in that game also, and he was freed up and got the bulk of his scoring in the second half. Still, that is his equal lowest score of the year is an 80. Yeah. So if DeBoer is going to be doing it all day long, you know, you're probably staring at a 60, but unfortunately mm-hmm. now with his price, his price is now reflective of about a 105 guy, you know, whereas initially it's probably up to 115. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite as appealing for me. And there's still a big chance that he goes to a Christian Petrarca if he's in the midfield more. True. Um, I wouldn't guess so because with Viney back, Petrarca naturally plays more forward, um, but there is always that chance. And there's always a chance that DeVore doesn't take, you know, Tom Mitchell, had an absolute field day on the weekend and some would have been scared off him um, multiple weeks in a row because there was a George Hewitt tag straight out of the bye and scared people. There was DeBoer on the horizon. 
and sometimes it doesn't come. You know, sometimes, yeah. like we saw with Neil, that it does come, and then the game shifts in a different direction, namely the team losing usually, yeah. and they release it. So for me now, that Clayton Oliver move was a move you'd make maybe if he was 850,000, 160,000. Um, and it would have to be, for me, to a Neil or someone that you look at the matchup and go, this guy's going to be my captain. Like, I'm thinking I could get a 70-point swing in a Brandy? week. That's a, Is he in possibly. that conversation? Yeah. Well, he could be, MJ, in a sense that you might need a restructure, right? Sure. You might need a restructure. This is a very AFL fantasy move. But you, I've got Amadi. Now, this will come into play if he's dropped. Now, I don't think he'll be dropped, Amadi, mm. but if he is dropped, now people are staring at a zero, potentially. Yeah. In their ruck line it becomes very appealing in that case to go, okay, I can't really do anything with Amadi. I'm just going to have to suck up that he's going to be stuck with me. Thankfully, he's forward, so you can hide him in the forward line and you've probably got another ruck or maybe utility. It's a lot easier to manage that, that mm. movement of Amadi off the ground. That's when you probably are looking at going Oliver to Grundy and you're bringing in Sharp for another cow. Yeah. And you've got that cover because you've brought in the premium ruck and now you've just replaced the Amadi rookie with a sharp rookie. I think that's a move that people will be looking at, mm-hmm. um, especially if Amadi's dropped. I think like for like, I'd probably give Sharp 10 points on Amadi. Yep. And again, maybe you think Grundy goes huge. Maybe. Again, don't love the matchup he's walking into this week with Ryder Marshall. Nope. But after that, it does open up. So I think you've got to start thinking of those things. And that's what I mean in AFL fantasy is it's never, um, I need to get Grundy, I need to get Neil, I need to get Zorko. Yeah. It's what's my team looking like and where can I extract value from? Again, that's why I'm not loving moving Tom Phillips because the value is so low in terms of his price. You know, I, I still think he's a guy that can give me 75 for a stretch. Yeah, um, but when I'm selling him at 65, I really I need to be really confident with the person I'm bringing on. You know, I need to get that upside, and I think a lot of people don't have the cash generation to really do the type of move they think they want to make. Um, so again, you, at the end of the day, every, you got to make a judgment on what you think the player is going to score for the remaining eight rounds. What's the guy you're going to bring in going to score, mm. and how much cash do you need to do it? You know. You might need two trades to get to that big dog, but maybe you can do one trade to get to a player you like and keep your cash ticking over on the bench. So um, it's very much horses for courses, um, but I think that's always the equation they're looking at. How do I get more points on the field? Is it this player to this player? And again, sometimes it might be premium player to other premium player. True. You know, if you if you knew in hindsight that Clayton Oliver was going to average um, in the mid eighties for the past three weeks. Well, of course you would have traded him at 150,000 to a Bontempelli going at 120 because that's yeah. 40 points of upside. We just, you just don't know. You don't think that's going to happen. So if you want to climb rank, your first point of call, really, who's popular? Mm-hmm. Now, is that people you've got in your team? Is that, yeah, you've got to be careful with who you is popular because you need to have a reason to believe they're going to fall. I wouldn't be just casting aside Jack McRae yeah. because he's popular. <laughs> You know, you need <laughs> you need to know, like a Clayton Oliver, that yeah. there's a big tag coming. If this is a 50, now a 50 across eight weeks, even if he goes his 100 after that, 
Well, now all of a sudden he's averaging 95. Yeah. You know, if that's what you think he's going to do. So you have to be really selective. You need to find guys, if you're moving them out, you need to believe there's a tag coming or there's a reason they're going to have a poor score. There's a role change, you know, conversely, you might be thinking Darcy Parrish, you know, absolutely had a sensational season, but you believe Dylan Shield comes in. He eats 10% into that average. Now all of a sudden that 115 comes down to a low hundred. Maybe it has a bigger impact and it's a 90, you know, he's not a popular guy, but he's a guy that for the good coaches, the really good teams, he was the reason they're up in that range. So you've got to take him on. Maybe you think everyone's going Neil. Yeah. And you got to go, I need to find someone else that's comparable value or comparable scoring and pick them. That's the only way in those formats you can climb. Now, obviously, with limited trades, you can bank trades and maybe get some luck on the injury front to other sure. people who have to cop zeros like you mentioned, MJ. Yeah. But in the half of fantasy, really, <laughs> there's there's 16 trades, or is it is there 14 MJ? There's Anyway, there's not many trades left to make the moves that you yes. need to make. You can't really reshape your team so much. So you've got to be taking risks on the captaincy. Yeah. If you see people spruiking certain players, don't Go pick against them. it. But you need to take them on with high ceiling. That's yeah. where a Lockie Whitfield, you can almost VC the guy every week for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because there's going to be a 170. There's yeah, going to be a monster pop. score. I don't know when it's going to be. But if you get it on a week where someone gets a Zach Merritt tag, yeah, there's like 100 that, points that's the right thing. there. So, like, if you really don't care about where you finish, but you want to aspire to the top, that's right. There's big swings on that. There's loopholing every chance you can get, which you should always really be doing. But how many coaches probably thought, oh, I could loophole Tom Stewart with maybe a high more, but it's Tom Stewart last week. You know, hmm. what's, what's going to happen? You know, yeah. like, you, you have to be on it. You really do. If you want yeah. to maximize every point you can get, um, you have to think of that stuff. So you have to look outside the box. You have to look at guys that can really go bang. I think if you want to take someone on, um, again, I don't love the matchup, so I probably wouldn't do it this week, but like an Andrew Gaff, MJ, we just know he's going to get to the you same average come. he gets every time. So I don't love that the game's been moved to GMHBA <laughs> and that it's against Sydney. Yes. Um, I really don't <laughs> like that at all because I think we all know how good he is at Optus. Yeah. But maybe, maybe conversely you think, hey, this is a ground for, you know, a Luke Shuey, or, you know, you're thinking Elliot Yo's yeah. going to turn the corner. Again, these aren't players that I'd jump on right now myself, but you've got to ha- start having that thought process of who is someone that we're going to finish the season and go, geez, he's a name. He's a hot name for next year. You know, yeah. how many times do we see that player? And I think, Jordan, and the guy that you brought up, now hot player might not be the, the right word, but he is value and he's in a role change. That is Matt Kennedy. Yeah. He's playing a different role in the team. Now, we think back to our Josh Dunkleys. We yeah. think back to our Toby McLeans. These are the guys that have really good finishes to the season. Yep. And, and we said, geez, these guys are real players. They're real, real players, not just in their team, but on the fantasy radar. Yeah. And Matt Kennedy with his Ford status. If you don't like a Dangerfield, if you think everyone's going Dangerfield, if you think everyone's yeah. still going Penderbury or Degoey or Stringer, like you look at what he's doing. The two scores he's had since he came back are great. He's averaging a hundred. Mm. He's got a good role. Oh, all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. Um, you, you kind of mentioned a couple of names through there, and I'm intrigued on. You know, we talked a bit about Phillips, who's been one of probably the most disappointing picks of the year for their owners. To be fair, in terms of expectation versus reality, 
Um, he's not been so bad that he's 40s and scoring like a cow, but the expectation for the owner was probably I'm getting myself an 85-90 guy, and, and he's not really done that at all across the year. So he's been underwhelming for the year. And then probably over the last month, Nick Hind has just started to slow a little bit. Is that coming back to earth? Is that bad fixture? Um, challenging matchup. So we've got these guys. I'm, I'm just including Hind. Maybe that's a bit of hyperbole. But he is getting talked in the same notion of, of Phillips as an underperforming guy. So I'm just lumping in there. In there. When you find yourself in a position where these are maybe your worst on-field performers, with one exception, and that exception is a cash cow. So guys like Dev Robertson, Amati, Waitman, Highmore, maybe even. What's the trading priority? Because normally we would go get the kids off the ground. Kane will get your take in a minute, but for Jordox, I know this is a bit of a, a pondering for you at the moment. If a coach is in that position, again, there's lots of different unique variables, the format you play, the trades available, what you do, all that stuff. But, but what's your initial perspective? I think in fantasy, um, you move on them. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because you want to get a, your last kid off the field, that's right. But if you're in a position where you don't, if the kid hasn't, um, or the cow's not fattened enough, rather, um, I look at a Nick Hines, say, in fantasy, he, he's 600K. And if you think about the reason you got him in the first place at the start of the year, I, I'd be pretty surprised if anyone thought he was going to be there at the end. So he's made 200K. Um, from watching him week to week, I'm not seeing anything that makes me optimistic that he's going to turn it around. And to be honest, it's a frustration when I watch Essendon because I, I just wonder why they don't get the ball in his hands uh, more often. And I'll give you an example, not to digress too much, but so Jordan Ridley would take the kick out. Mm -hmm. um, he'll kick it. He'll play on, of course. He's very good at that. He'll run slightly to the side and chip it 15 metres and then he'll stand there and call for it and that player in the back pocket will kick it back to Ridley. It's great if you've got Ridley. Hmm. Why not let Hine take it from fullback? He'll play on. He'll probably run 50 metres. He'll get to your half-forward flank. So, look, that's just a little bugbear of mine. Um, but I'm not seeing any change for Hind in the next month or two. Uh, they've got Redmond. They've got Heppel. Um, they've got plenty of guys back there who get the ball. Um, none are as exciting as Hind, but I just think he's done his role. He's made us the cash. And if you could, there's a couple of names like your Degoe's and your Kennedy's and, and whatnot. Like you could get nearly a hundred grand going Hind down to that. You know, if if last week we were entertaining a, a Doherty down to a Hearn to bank a hundred k, I think Nick Hind down to one of those guys to bank a hundred k is an absolute. Um, not no-brainer, but if your kid's not ready to move on and your kid is still given your 50s and 60s, um, then I think, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's, um, he's served his purpose. Different in dream team and super coach because yeah. um, how many trades you have left, all, all the unique variables of experiences that ultimately predetermine whether that trade is right or wrong. The key is 
you don't sell a guy at their basement value. That's all I'll ever say. So Phillips, for me, in Dream Team and Supercoach, you've held this long, just go all in, push him to your bench, let him be your swing cover for your mids and your forwards, and with the rolling lockouts, he might just pop for you. That's the beauty of rolling lockouts across the formats for you. For example, Keynes gave a great one last week of Tom Stewart. This week, it's a Gold Coast um, and a Richmond. You might have that opportunity to go, you know what? I'll play a loop bottle and see what I can do with some of those manoeuvrings through there. Um, look for those creative ways without having to use a trade, using your squad versatility to maximise those points on field. For me, if you're a Phillips owner in Dream Team and Super Coach, you've already gone through 15 weeks of this is not quite what I'd hoped. Um, in, in varying weeks, that's maybe five to 10 points off. Other weeks, that might be a little bit further than that. You've done the hard yards. There is st he's still got the ability and capacity to pump out weeks of 80s. So um, 85s, he's even got the tendency of fourth on get the game on their terms against the right opponent to turn up. And Murphy's Law will be the week you trade him out if he does it. Um, and so Wingard, Wingard's yeah. out this week. Yeah. I don't know if that helps. Um, but, yeah, look for little things like that. And, and the other positive to keeping a Phillips is a lot of people will jump. A lot of people will jump off. And, uh, you know, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. But, geez, I remember the guy when he was at Collingwood, he could find a pill. And he was playing forward a little bit on the weekend, which was particularly concerning. But... Yeah, I, I think I think um, he could still get there for us. Yeah, so uh, all right. So Phillips a little different story, Hind a little different story, and in the different formats, different stories to get there. What, what's your take though, Kane? A bit more broadly before we talk keeper league strategies and then wrap up this episode. If if you find yourself in that position where you've got a, a guy not delivering to the expectation on field that you'd hoped as a premium, using that term loosely, versus a cow that's delivering solid numbers let me give you a, a, a name Devin Robertson he's basically a 70 guy across the formats give or take a handful of points what do you do because normal rule of thumb is get the cows off the ground but if your cow is within QE of what this other guy's doing what's the priority of trade if one at all what's your take on that Kane? Indra I'll circle back to what I said at the start what do you think they'll average in the remaining eight rounds? Yeah, what do course. you have a Devin Robinson pegged at? What do you have a Tom Phillips pegged at? And what can you do in that upgrade? What what player do you have access to if you move Phillips on over Robinson? Like, it's really that simple for me. I've never been, they're a cow, yeah. um, they have to go. It's, what are they doing? Like, we know with cows, the reason you want them off the field usually is they're a lot more volatile. Yeah, they can. Their range of scoring is huge, especially as they get into the middle part of the season. Namely, they get quite tired. That yeah. range becomes huge. Um, often earlier in the season, they may be in a role that they inherited because someone's injured. You know, mm -hmm. often that's another thing that can cause mass scoring changes. But at the end of the day, if, you, if we cast our mind back a few years, we had Alex Witherden. If you had an Alex Witherden coming through, who was just going to go eighty-five plus? as a rookie, you would trade a premium back to another position to get yeah. this guy on the field because he was outperforming his value so much that you'd, you'd want to use that cash elsewhere. You'd want to tack it on to your yeah, um, sub-elite premiums and get them to Ubers because that's how you're going to improve your team. So 
it's not about cows and premiums and that sort of stuff. It's about getting points. We win the game with points. And we know to get points, we need cash generation. Yeah. So we've always got to be weighing those two things up every week. Do I want to hit a points now? Or do I want to get some, do I want to do a double downgrade? Do I need to do a restructure? Like that's always the hard balance that we're weighing up. We, we'd obviously love to do upgrades every week. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, people who grabbed a Poulter earlier in the year, grabbed a Burns, yeah. they might have thought, you know what, I'm taking the points in the future as opposed to now. Yeah. And you know what happens sometimes when you do that too? You get both anyway, because you get a pull to scoring a ton. You get a yeah. burn scoring a ton. So yeah, that's true. it's always a balancing act. But in the, the day, it always comes down to what is your expectation of the player? What is yeah. what do you think they're going to deliver? You know, do you have to go this week because it's a 150 matchup? I think back to an earlier podcast, MJ, when we spoke about Dyson Heppel and Darcy Parrish, because they were playing Collingwood on Anzac Day. That's right. We said if you have to go, you go now because this matchup. And at that point in time, what Collingwood was giving up mm. was off the charts for defenders and off the charts for midfielders. Yeah. And both went absolutely berserk. Yep. Now, conversely, like we spoke about with Oliver tonight, we spoke about with Neil in previous weeks with a tag. Now I'm avoiding someone or I'm trading them out because of that. So it always has to be what are they going to score in your mind for whatever reasoning or logic you use. Make that decision, weigh it up and find the most points you can in each given week or find a way to generate cash that will give you more points in future weeks. I know that's very broad stroke. No, no, it's good. That's but at the end good. of the day, that's what people need to do if they want to improve at this game is what do you need to see and how do you evaluate what a player is going to do? Because we can all look at scores of previous weeks and say, oh, they're going to they're gonna score that. It doesn't work like that. It's not that simple. That's why we say sometimes nice you have to, well, I don't think it would be, Jordan. I think it'd be boring. I think it'd be a terrible <laughs> game if it was just like that. I think the fun is that you have to look and go, this guy hasn't done anything yet. We always, I always yeah. say that with some players. Some people say, I need to see something. Well, you need to, you're, you what, you're asking, what, what, what they're saying though, MJ, is they need to see a score. It's very different saying, I need to see the player playing well. You know, you, you know a guy like a Lockie Whitfield or a Josh Kelly or even a Clayton Oliver, they will will have a ceiling game for the year. Yeah. They will have a score that is monstrous. Yep. And I always say to you, if I haven't seen it yet, that means I haven't missed it yet. So have oh. a look at the guys that you know always have that ability. Again, I mentioned Andrew Gaff for that reason. Yeah. He will have another game where he goes 140 plus. No problem. And if you think you know the matchup, and usually it's when West Coast win, that's not a surprise, <laughs> and usually it's at Optus. Now, that could be an issue, but it <laughs> does happen. You always yeah. think, oh, this guy, geez, he's having a poor year and then in two weeks he's averaging what he averages so just don't rule anyone a good example out. too of that came is is Pendlebury so yeah um if if anyone you know couldn't get him last week and thought I'll have a look at how it goes this week and, and they see you know in dream team fantasy he scored an 85 and thought no nah, I haven't seen anything like you said but if you actually watch that game uh-huh. um you know uh, he was everywhere. He was just handball happy. And yeah, on he, another day, he scores yeah. 110. So I think it's a good example of exactly what you just articulated. Yeah, it's a good shout. Uh, all right, let's, before we wrap up this episode, um, let, let's talk keeper league. So if you play a keeper league, it's definitely something we'd encourage you to do if you love that list management component of the game, not so much the stock market element um, that can come in the salary cap formats. Came in the moment, keen to get your take on if you're in contention, 
what are some of the moves you can be taking? I'll give you a moment to think about that while I speak to those coaches that are out of contention. And what I mean by out of contention is you're not a premiership threat. You might even make finals. And yes, I know anything can happen week in, week out in a finals. But let's specifically target for those that you go, finals are not happening for you. What should you be doing? Simply this. Sell out guys that are performing well, that, are, that would not make your keeper list based on age profile or keeper list strategies. So a player like a Shannon Hearn, who might only have half a dozen to a dozen games of football left in his career, potentially. Um, he's averaging 100 across the formats. We talked about him last week on the podcast. He did a eight for me um, on the weekend. So he's the kind of guy you look to move him on. And we'll talk about the guys you should sell him for in a second. James Harms, so a guy that's losing positional value, um, that's moving into a midfield only, that's the time to sell them. Another guy, and I'll be very specific, that I would suggest you look to move on, are the guys that are having career seasons, but you don't think they are attainable for another year. An example, Ben Keys. He's a top 15 point scorer in AFL fantasy right now for total points, top 30 in Supercoach. Why is he doing that? There's a fairly big ball magnet missing from that Adelaide midfield right now. And should Matt Crouch come back next year and some developing kids of the Schonbergs, the Peddlers, um, potentially the Haightley, if he can work his way in, we know what Laird's going to be able to do, and others that they hope to bring in, I don't believe. Now, if you think he's a 105-110 guy, obviously you're going to disagree with him, and that's fine. But these are the sorts of guys you to do. So career seasons that you don't forecast it holding, guys that are losing positional value for you, or those that are outside of your age profile of helping you in the next premiership. That's who you sell out. And who do you target? Young kids that others would will have to give up for these elite options. Injured premiums, the Crouch, the Sicily types, going after them or the guy that you just know is going to inherit positional value for you in future years that the other person might not see. So those are the kind of goes guys you target. So you, or the future, the guns that haven't quite shown it fully, but will. So a, a guy that I like, like a James Rowbottom, really talented young kid, might make it, might not, but has shown enough signs to go, he should be a 90 mid for a really long time. Will he be a 105 guy? Maybe not, but he'll be a really good prospect and a piece in a keeper league mid. Can you move on? The Harms types, the Hearn types, these guys to get a piece that will make your keeper stuff. So, so that's the mindset I'd be encouraging you if you're out of contention, who's got the most value that isn't going to help you beyond this year? Move them on and then target guys that will help you either because of poor form that are out injured or young guns that you can get out that you might not normally have been able to do. What's your take, Kane? If you're in contention, what's the strategy you should be going after? Well, MJ, it's pretty much the inverse, isn't it? Really? You know, it's, it's looking at guys that can help you right now. Again, you got to weigh that up with what you have to give up. You know, you don't want to be selling the farm for the future just to have Shannon Hearn for, you know, <laughs> one more season or 
um, a lot of these older guys. So you've got to be really smart about what you're giving up. Um, I think you've also got to be understanding of, again, positional value is still really important long-term. It's one thing to go chips in, uh, but is it going to be miserable for the next few years? You know, there's still, what's your risk appetite? Yeah. Um, Because unfortunately you can sometimes make these moves and they're very much now, now moves and you cop an injury to either them or another player in your team. And now you've put yourself five years back because you traded away all your youth. So you still want to leverage, you know, the future as well. I think it's more, you know, for me personally, you're always looking at, you know, for Shannon Hearn, if you, if the owner thinks he's not going to get anything, you know, is it just as simple as, for example, Shannon Hearn plus, um, you know, a sixth rounder and you give him a third, you know, you're just sliding back in the draft. They're moving up, you know, 30 to 40 picks, depending on the number of people in your league. It's more stuff like that, where you're not really risking a player that you have, you know, the difference between a player you get in the thirties or sixties is usually not too much, no. um, but at least it gives them something that they can, you know, maybe leverage further up the draft. Yeah. Um, again, you still have to be frugal in that sense because the waiver wire can still present some guys that in a finals run can really top up and give you an 80 plus score. So I'd be personally, if you want to really push it, you start looking at guys like, could you swing a, um, who's someone who's around this mark, a Christian Petrarca for a Callum Mills. Mm. Now they're probably like for like long-term, but if your midfield's strong, you probably want the back. Yeah. Now, that person who's out of contention might say, I think Petrarca's a five-point better player. So for them, they think, it doesn't really matter to me this year. Um, you're giving up maybe five points in the future, but this year you're going to probably get a 30 to 40-point upgrade on your other back. Like It's moves like that where you're – maybe it's Roy Laird. You know, maybe yeah, it's yeah. someone that you think they might be comparable scoring in their position next year and in the future. But for now, they hold a position that's super, super scarce. And we always know that's back or forward. You know, whether it's a Zorko side bottom hunter, um, one of those types, or yeah. if it's a Mills and Laird chiefly in defense that um, we know are going to be pure mids. Those two, they've been outstanding this year. So I think those are the moves, if you're a real contender, you want to make. Um, because most te- most contenders, it's the midfield that carries them. You know, it's the real big yeah. dogs that they've got that separate them from all of the other teams in the league. Um, so if you can make a move like that, um, you know, again, like you said, MJ is the inverse. Like if you're carrying a Trelaw, if you're carrying a Dunkley, now those are big chip players and they are players that can come back to bite you in the future. But at the same time, yeah. Uh, they could probably get you a premiership in terms of you could move a Dunkley on for a Zorko and something. You could get yeah. them. You could probably get a Dunkley for a Mills um, and maybe a little a little chip like a Hearn some, as well. You know, yeah. like really bolster you for now. You're still getting someone in the future, but you got that's why you got to target those bottom teams, MJ, because all of those moves that you're going to make, yeah, they are similar players, but it's just that you're capitalizing on their position that they have for yeah. the very short term of this season. Um, Outside of that, you, you can leverage your kids. You can leverage kids that, yeah. you know, there's a potential. You know, you can have egg on your face if you move a Devin Robertson on and he becomes a gun. Yeah. I'd still be, you know, I'm not going to move on my Will Days. I'm not going to move on my Noah Andersons. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there might be a tier of someone who goes, you know, I'd like a Trent Rivers as my last keeper in a 20, 
um, player keeper yeah. league. So you, you can find these little ones, but it's it's all about, you know, working with those guys that are out of contention. Just, just send them a message. Hey, like, what are you trying to improve in your side? And it's that's why it's difficult with keepers because it's all different rules. Um, but have a look mm. at their team and think if it's if it's just something simple like that you keep 20 30 yeah you're 30 and explain it to them that hey um this is how it's going to help you and this is how it's going to help me you know do you want to do something and if they say no then oh well no problem but sometimes you can find these deals that really do help all parties and help yeah. you improve this year and help them you know replenish their list quicker so that's the fun of the keeper league is there's no right or wrong way to really do it but you can find these deals especially at this point of the season that's why we we like that it does end the deadline now or in the next few weeks as yeah. opposed to the week of finals hey let's load up and then we'll trade back like that's not what it's about you want that long-term no. impact that hey i pushed for a flag i moved on Devin robinson oh, maybe it's a dyson heffel someone immediate yep and it was great i won a premiership well maybe it was um, Dyson Apple did a hamstring and I didn't win the flag. And now I've watched Devin Robinson average 100 for the last seven years and I'm hating <laughs> it. But like, that's the, if you just don't do anything, so, it's not that fun of a game. Yeah. If you're contending, right. So the, this is my first year doing the Keeper League and, and absolutely love it. Can't believe we did, I didn't do it years ago. Um, so my take would be, you know, if you're contending, look for some of those guys who are in the twilight of their career, but having, somewhat of a renaissance. Uh, so Trav Boak, for example. Yeah. Um, last couple Chris of years. Chris Main's another one as well. Just yeah. on the top of my head as well, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, well he's got the defender stage too in in Ultimate. And and um, and Hearn, which is your boy at the net MJ. Even at Taylor Walker, I mean, yeah. you know, when the Crows have a good game, he hits a ninety to a ton. I mean no one no one in there would have expected that this year and I can't even see him doing it next year. So that's sort of what I'm thinking. And, and oh, then there's another one, MJ, as well. Just quickly, sorry, Jordo, on the fixture. Yeah. Now, we know fixture at this point in time is very fluid. <laughs> yes. But if you look at some of the matchups in the last, you know, mainly for the last rounds for us is 21 and 22. Um, you can find some key forwards that might have some friendly matchups. I, I had a quick look before and, you know, Lance Franklin, you start mm-hmm. thinking about his race to a thousand. You start thinking, oh yeah, you know, there's a North Melbourne in there. You start, you can start. We, you know, we cast our mind back to a Jeremy Cameron, you yeah. know, when he was chasing his big, his big bag and a common medal, and he did a number on the sun. So, if you're in a really good position, like if you know you're going to be top two, look at the fixture for prelim week. Yeah, Who, who's playing goal? And don't who's playing North? And don't be too yeah. worried. Don't be too worried about. Like you said, the fixture could change. Uh, the one running theme all year, the messaging from the AFL has been keeping the fixture as it is has been mm. paramount. So they're going to yeah. do everything they can to keep that fixture. So spot on, Kane. Have a look. Yeah, at it might just be the ground age, Jordan. Like it, it's it's probably not going to yeah. be the it's probably not going to be the teams, but it could be if you're thinking it's you know like West Coast Optus, you know maybe you have to preface that. But yeah, yeah. If yep. you think yep. it's yep. Yep. if you think it's you know, a big matchup where a team, especially those top four teams or top eight teams, especially if percentage starts getting involved, we know you can get some real big blowouts, and especially for those key forwards. Um, you know, if you knew that Josh Bruce was playing North Melbourne every week, he'd be one of the most popular players in fantasy. So, yeah, you can start getting real creative and just hoarding a few of these guys now that might be on the waivers one week off another week. Yeah. And if you've got room, 
just start stockpiling a couple because isn't it amazing, MJ, when you get really close, like a week out? Mm-hmm. Doesn't the run come for the waivers for those guys that have you know, yeah. Gold Coaster and North yeah. or whatever that team is that's really struggling to get um, to um, yeah. be scored against? So if you're so that's if you're contending, and then if you're yeah looking at next year or you're not contending, um, I, you know I, I hope not to be in that position this <laughs> year. But I imagine one of the things you would do, you know, obviously the the trade targets that you talked about came talking to the teams at the top and seeing what sort of deal you could do. But for me, I'd just be um, having some really good fun with that that waiver wire because. You know, throughout the year, you want to, there's plays you have a good feeling about, or you see something on game day, and yeah, their scores are terrible, but you see something when you're watching them play, and you think this kid's got a future, you're more hesitant to just grab him and stash him and hold on to him if you're contending. If mm. your season's done, just have a look at the, the, the waiver wire and, and try and pick a couple of guys like that who, um, you know, Sam Flanders is one that um, yeah. I think you know, he's going to be great in the next few years. Is he going to do much for my team this year? Probably not. Um, but, yeah, that's where it's really fun for me, the free agents. Yeah, the one I was going to add as well is, if you, especially if you're not contending, and we know we love this time of the year, start hmm. thinking about guys that aren't in the team, that maybe be. have some potential. I might throw out a name like a Charlie Constable, mm-hmm. you know, maybe mm. even a Braden yeah. Fiorini. Yeah. Just with the possibility that maybe... Yeah. If they were to move club, you know, maybe there's a bit more opportunity uh, because yeah. we know it's if you're going to play in a league that leaves that open all off season and just let people do as they choose, um, you can have a lot of value. And sometimes I think the players actually not even having intention to play them. It's that mm-hmm. when the trade trade period comes and you hear that Charlie Cumstall has been traded to the Carlton, you go, I'm going to sell this guy right now. I'm going to mm-hmm. sell him before I even so. Start thinking about that. You know, Sparkle Knuckles mm. pops on the waiver wire every now and then. And especially, yeah. especially in those teams that are contending mm. that go, I need all the help I can get for this finals. I'm just going to grab this guy, this guy, this guy. I'm going to take a little bit more liberty with my sort of fringe guys that I've been holding all year. Yeah. And you'll be surprised who will pop on that waiver wire. Because, yeah, when it comes to waiver wire, some people really take chances and don't think about the trade period. Yeah. But if you want a stock market analogy, MJ, doesn't mm. it spike if a guy's name is mentioned? Yeah. And a, a Markov, nothing. On the waivers all year. You wouldn't touch him last year. Yeah. He's on the way yeah. to the Gold Coast. All of a sudden, oh. Oh, there's a role for him. There's this, there's that. So just have a think about some guys that aren't in the team that maybe have good fantasy potential that you can maybe grab, especially if you're not in contention, you've got guys that you think are going to retire. Yeah. Move them now. When, again, whether you can, they're as good as a herder, you can get something in return. Sure. Or even if it's just hoard them on your list, carry them until that February period when we know what the positions are. Yeah. See where they go in the trade period. See what the role is over the preseason. You know, get as much value into that squad as you can before you have to do list lodgement next year. Who cares yeah. if you don't if you don't think there's anything to them? Because you never know. You can come out of the season and think they're nothing. Then a new coach comes along. Or a new game plan comes along. And all of a sudden, they're super relevant. So always be building out the squad beyond whatever the number is because they might have trade value. 
Yeah, that's a really good shout. Don't forget to check out for possession, positional future forecasting as well. That's another of those elements. You, you get lucky, like Kane said, you could get it wrong um, with, with a trade player or things like that. But those are those elements that can really make something move. I, I like some of those thoughts, lads. Uh, we're going to wrap up this bad boy. Kane, as always, appreciate your thoughts on this podcast. No worries, MJ. And uh, Jordox, a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, guys. Likewise. Uh, if you want to go check out uh, any of the articles that are dropped this week, you can check them out at coachespanel.tv. The links to join our Patreon supporter group are there where you get access to different podcasts, content, challenges, cash prizes, and some secret community access, Facebook groups, Discord, and a bunch of other stuff. All the links are at coachespanel.tv. Good luck this week. I hope everything goes your way. And from all of us here at the Coaches Panel, well, we'll talk to you soon.